0: So in the show notes, you'll always be able to find the link to watch the video on our YouTube channel and make sure that you hit subscribe so you don't miss a future episode. Thank you so much for supporting the show and enjoy this week's episode. Welcome back to another episode of the Recruitment Mentors podcast. I'm your host, Hesham Mazouz. And in this week's episode, I was joined by Abby Dunn. She's the founder of 68 People, and three years ago, she was on the podcast. This was in the midst of COVID, and she runs a specialist hospitality recruitment business. That is her world, and where she has so much passion to build a recruitment business that serves this industry. Now, she has been on an incredible journey since then. In 2020, their turnover was 122,000 and there's five people in the business. In 2021, that grew to 464,009 people. In 2022, that grew to just over a million and 14 people. And 2023, 1.7 with 24 people. And they're on track to break the 2 million mark and still be at 24 people. What I love about this story and the passion that Abby has is her entire commitment to delivering a client and candidate experience that is exceptional. She's one of the very few leaders that speaks about experience non-stop. One of their core KPIs within their business is net promoter score. Their fill rate is extremely high and they want to make it even better. I really love the passion around being entirely committed around building a world-class experience because everything else follows. There's so many things to take away from this conversation. Enjoy this week's episode. Abby, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. We sat down in uh, November 2020 when our conversation went out. Yeah. So by then you had a first full year in business because you started in 2019 mm-hmm. and then entered the COVID madness mm-hmm. and your world is hospitality.
1: The bottom of the bottom. Yeah.
0: So it was, <laughs> you know, one of the, the most impacted industries. Mm-hmm. So I've always, like outside looking in, I've always like really found how you've approached things really interesting, mm-hmm. like on the branding front, the values, just, just how you've gone about your business. So while I was really keen to, you know, have you back on the pod is, you no, know, safe to say you've really gone on this growth journey, not just, I'm not just talking about headcount revenue, just I think you've really evolved your business over the last like three years. So I think today that's what we're going to be uncovering because I think there's going to be a, a ton of learnings for current recruitment founders, aspiring recruitment founders on some of the things that you've implemented, that you've learned, that you've executed, which I think a lot of people can learn from. Because I know you don't paint yourself with the brush of like, I'm a typical recruitment founder.
1: Mm. Well, I'll ask you that at the end. See what <laughs> you think.
0: Okay, cool. So <laughs> let's just give everyone some immediate context. So if okay. I get any of this wrong, yes. just let me know, okay? Yes. So some of the key metrics so 2019 turnover 305 there's three of you 2020 122 there was five of you uh 2021 that increased to 464 and there was nine people in the business but five billers 2022 just over a million 1.76 14 people in the business nine billers and then 2023 1.7 in turnover 24 people in the business 15 and billers and the 2024 goal is to break the 2 million mark, which is really exciting. And you've put I'm ass- you've put 24 and 15 again. So I'm assuming you're, you're like aiming to do that with the se- same amount of people currently.
1: Yeah, I think next year for us is, you know, making the people that we've got on the team better. better and yeah. focusing on training and
0: development. Love that. So one of the things that I was really interested in that you kindly shared with me was the, you know, core of your business is recruitment, but then you've got these other products called Class of 68. You've got international part of your business that's growing and you've got consultancy. So consultancy is 5%, international 9%, Class 68, 8%. Yeah. So keen to go into that. And then I guess the final bit of context, which I think would be useful for people is, uh, and again, you can let me know if I'm wrong here, but I asked you what's Abby's role now. And I think this would be useful for context. So you have a business partner called Charlotte, which we're going to go into because that's been quite pivotal. And then, you know, the couple of bullet points we put under yourself is you spend a lot of your time coaching, training the existing team, involved in marketing, the BD strategy, just strategically thinking about how you can keep moving forward as a business. And you're always thinking about how you can improve the candidate and client experience. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's what I lose sleep over, for sure.
0: Nice. (laughs) All right, cool. So let's start with the million pound question then. In your opinion, what are the the characteristics and traits of a successful recruiter in today's market?
1: Well, there's there's a few, isn't there? I definitely think if you can't prioritise your work effectively and you can't work at speed and have this kind of sense of urgency, recruitment's probably not for you. Mm. We've certainly found over the years that this emotional resilience to decisions that are made helps. You know, we... Probably a few years ago now, I was noticing people being, you know, pretty emotional about decisions that clients were making or candidates were making. It was like, we can't can't operate a business like this. So we brought into this kind of cause and effect principle that, you know, as long as a very like self-reflective, I think we're a very self-reflective business. And Mm. I think that the consultants that do really well are the ones that are constantly saying, look, what could I have done differently? Or they get into a point of... Off a stage of saying, "Okay, I've done everything I can, and now I've done everything I can." I've referenced um, my experience was great. I've not, I'm not putting square pegs into round holes. And at that point, if the decision doesn't go your way, you know it's mm. cool. I think this emotional roller coaster that we were on was a challenge at one point. So, so yeah, this definitely. I don't think we have a blame culture around blaming consultants and candidates for decisions, and I think that can create a shitty culture. So. Mm. From my point of view, that's a really good behavioural trait that we need to have. And I think we've got to be experts and that's not always easy when you start in recruitment to be an expert. But to me, the expert isn't about telling. It's not about saying to a client, This is what I think, in actual fact. I don't I think a lot of the time a client won't give a shit about your opinion. I think you've got to coach them, you've got to question them and you know, yeah, we can drop in our expertise, but actually, you know, a lot of we're talking to a lot of People directors and operations directors who've got significantly more experience in their field. So I think being influential and expert, but without being a knob is Mm. a pretty good trait of a recruiter.
0: I really like that emotional bit that you're talking about, because I think that can just help you in life. Yeah. Yeah. Not to be the first person to point the finger at other people.
1: Yeah, and you've got to be careful because you can't come across like you don't give a shit either. There's Mm. the other way around of, yeah, whatever, it doesn't matter. and It does matter. But I think, yeah, it's pretty liberating to constantly be reflecting and thinking what could I have done differently rather than, trying to manage other people's behaviours. I certainly have found that for the last few years when I've kind of adopted this technique myself.
0: No, no, honestly, I love that so much. A quote that, like, whenever I talk about stuff like this, a quote that I always keep front of mind is whoever you point the finger at, you give power to. And I think... Like even in like in recruitment, if you're always pointing the finger at the client and candidate, it's mm. going to be a pretty rough time. Um, yeah. And how
1: do you improve? Right. Like exactly. You, you can't self-reflecting, thinking what could I do differently gives you choice and power to mm. do things differently. If you're constantly thinking, oh, well, what did they do wrong? You know, mm. then you just stay at this, uh, stay at basic level.
0: Yeah, definitely. OK, cool. So a couple of things that I, like, I just want to get straight into it with you, if that's OK. So like we did a podcast before, so for anyone listening, feel free to go back and listen to that. But we sort of spoke about the first year in business, then COVID happened. So I wanna just go straight into a specific part of this timeline of this journey which is Charlotte joining Mm -hmm. basically yeah so which was May 2021 yes right because I find that really interesting just because you know that year you had a solid year of turnover and then you like over doubled the turnover the year before and then you've you've continued growing Mm -hmm. so why don't we just start with what would be really interesting for you to share is obviously you started this business on your own Mm -hmm. what were some of the signs that Kept showing up for you that made you feel like fucking hell. If I like, I I really like the idea of bringing someone in, or if I just keep it myself, then I'm maybe not going to get to where I want to. I don't know, but like, what were some of the signs that made you to start think about someone like Charlotte joining your business and bring them on the journey with you?
1: I think I've always been pretty aware of what I'm good at mm. and not good at, and not shied away from that. You know, I don't really enjoy sitting in rooms. Analyzing P&Ls, the, the team will be laughing. But you know, I know I've got strengths. But aside from that, I don't think at any point I was, if I'm honest, was thinking, "Crikey, I need a business partner." Okay. I probably totally undervalued the impact that a business partner could have. But Charlotte had been a friend for many years, and I knew her capability. and I suppose, being totally honest, I was like, oh, "I bet, we, I bet it'll be really fun." Really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I hope she doesn't mind me saying that, but I, I knew she'd be fucking great, obviously. But you know, what
0: did you think would be fun about it?
1: We we're really good mates, mm. and uh, yeah, we've we've worked together before in a previous life in hospitality, and I didn't. It didn't really enter my head uh, any negative side of it. Any maybe because you know I've had to put some ego stuff aside for sure during this journey. We're business partners now Mm. and the benefits that it's brought in terms of the speed at which we can make decisions, having two different opinions and coming to a conclusion, just the level is so much more fun. It is fun. Mm. You know, we we had a strategy meeting yesterday and we were both like super excited about it. It's Mm. just two of us sat in a room for nine hours. You know, it's but. And I didn't ha what I didn't know what I was missing. You know, mm. I didn't know that, that was that was would be so cool.
0: No, oh, I can relate I can relate to that. Like mm. having a nine hour strategy session on your own isn't <laughs> yeah. be as fun with yeah. Yeah, another exactly. person. Yeah, yeah. And even though you can actively share the things that are in your mind about your business and the journey room with your partner, your friends, it's yeah. it's not it's not the same. Like yeah. they, even though they could maybe be really good listeners and go, oh, Abby, that's really interesting. Like understand that they, they don't. Yeah. Now you've got someone who's on, you know, you is in the boat with you. You're rowing in the same direction, mm-hmm. and I totally get why that would be more fun. Like I, I get that. Yeah, being a great. solo and founder,
1: we share the same values, and that's super important. Would I advise people to go and? find a business partner that they'd never mm-hmm. worked with before. I don't know. But, um, it, it, you know, because we, we knew each other so well. And, you know, she's brilliant at certain things. And I think she would say the same about me. And, you know, that what I do think is important in that relationship is, is trust. And yeah, we you know, we trust each other. We trust each other to do the right thing for the business. I can't imagine how it would be if we didn't didn't have that. I mean, it would be obviously really
0: shit yeah (laughs) so less interested in the nitty-gritty details but i think people would be interested maybe people that started their business on their own actually have maybe thought about the idea of bringing someone on if it is the right person or Mm -hmm. that but the way that you set it up is over a period of time charlotte just basically owns more and more of the business Mm -hmm. and obviously you would agree like x amount but over time as the business grows and length of service her like share in the business grows right yeah
1: yeah and from an uh, experience background, Charlotte had not worked in recruitment. For she'd done mm. recruitment, but she her her background was actually in hospitality in the niche that, that we mm. work in. So, having that experience, and um, she'd operated large businesses, so she brought a skill, you know, that I I didn't have. And I think that's probably quite important mm. to kind of think about what you your weaknesses are and find someone that can do that.
0: What was the job spec?
1: I don't think I have a job space.
0: <laughs> no, but like, what was like, because I think that'd be helpful. So like, what
1: yeah,
0: okay. What ended up being, I'm sure it's evolved. I yeah. mean, you told me some of the things that fall under her remit, but like initially when you're bringing this person in, yeah. what are like the core things you're like, right, these are the things that you're going to be responsible for, going to be focusing on?
1: Charlotte comes to the party with more a kind of red energy than I have. So she gets shit done. Yeah, So... You know, the kind of things, like immediate changes that were made, like it sounds small, but a meeting cadence, for example. So now we do, well, you know, since since Charlotte's joined, you know, we do, everybody in the business knows their, their meeting, review, schedule. Every meeting has got etiquette around it. So it's got an agenda, it's got a timescale, it's got action points, it's got minutes. And that's a game changer. Like mm. That's because you get shit done. So operational processes... Yep. I suppose I knew what best practice was, but I'd not written it down anywhere. <laughs> it was in my head, you know. And so there's been quite a lot of getting stuff out of my head to, you know, in, into some kind of system or process. And I think she saw quite quickly that in order for the business to grow, I needed to come out of recruitment, you know, physically talking to, to candidates and, and, and having a billing target, for example, and that um, she made that possible by us having systems and procedures in place that, you know, we hadn't had before.
0: Why did she think that was important?
1: Because that ties you to, I think that limits growth. Mm. You know, the stuff that I work on now with the team and from a more strategic business, I definitely f- spend a lot of time working on the business rather than in it. And I know that's really tough. That's That was what I always found tough. Uh, and I, I definitely found it tough. I found it tough maybe stepping away from clients or handing things over that I'd held the reins of for so long. But... Mm. I can see now the beauty of doing that.
0: Okay, that is interesting that you go to something as like granular as like a meeting cadence.
1: I know, yeah, and that's huge. The other things, for example, with the team, they've got you know regular reviews, a review document. I mean, KPI is for another one. I always, mm. I remember writing a blog. I can't remember if I mentioned this last time about recruitment isn't a numbers game. Mm. And, um, yeah, recruitment is a numbers game. <laughs> you know I came out of quite a big agency and thought, hate it, hate the numbers, hate the mm. you know, number of calls, number of calls, but well, actually, you know, you can't improve anything unless you measure it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And as long as you measure the right things at the right time, because measurements create the culture, you know we talk, for example, a lot about fill rate. We talk a lot about NPS, and Charlotte's been able to see that from a different angle to me and you know from a more operational kind of generic good business angle as opposed to having years of being indoctrinated by other you know mm. recruitment practices and so that's been really beneficial and I think where what we've seen over the last few years and what's supported growth is where where we measure stuff like what we measure like for example look like if we measure if we purely measure revenue the behavior that that kicks out Is sharkiness, right? You just want to, we're just going to do what we can to get revenue. If we purely measure CV sends, I'm going to send as many as I can and the quality will be shit. Mm -hmm. So it's real consideration of where we accelerate and push on what we should measure and what that behaviour kicks out. We talk about that a lot.
0: Okay. Just before, I want to go into that, but just quickly, you sort of highlighted it, but there'll be a lot of people listening to this that, manager team, lead a team, run a business mm. and have meetings. I, I can relate to that as well. So the fact that you led with that, clearly you feel that's had a big impact. So I just want to make yeah. sure that for people listening, they can maybe consider implementing some of these things. So yeah. how did your meetings run before Charlotte joined? So, You said the meeting cadence, you mentioned the weekly reviews, minutes, yeah. just give us the granular things on like how they run before and how they run now with Charlotte involved and the net positive of that. A very quick one before we get back to the conversation. I wanted to talk to you all about one of our podcast sponsors, OneUp Sales. So let's just talk about the crucial aspect of any successful recruitment business. Data visibility and accountability. Are your consultants reaching their targets? Where can they improve? You need clear, comprehensive and timely data to answer these questions. That's where One Up Sales comes in. Their cutting-edge sales performance management platform provides you with real-time data visibility helping you track performance at a glance. 1UP Sales doesn't just show you the numbers, it tells you the story behind them. This increased transparency not only enables you to take more informed decisions, but it also fosters a sense of accountability among your consultants. With clear visibility, they can take ownership of their performance, learn from their mistakes, and continue strive to improve. To turn your data into an accountability tool, connect your CRM with one-up sales and always be in the know. Because you listen to this podcast, you're able to get your hands on an exclusive offer for one-up sales, which is a 10% discount on the user price. So if you haven't already, check out how one-up Sales can enable you to hold people accountable, have way more visibility in your data. It's well worth checking out. Now let's get back to the conversation.
1: We'd have meetings. I'd probably, if I'm honest, you know, it would be quite easy for me to move them. And now that, you know, that doesn't, that wouldn't happen. And I can see the benefit in that. So for example we'd have meetings and we'd, we'd we would maybe float around about subjects and and you can kind of become obsessed about a certain detail and then you know the meeting runs over mm. blah 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 you kind of bring in the whole team into meetings where that's unnecessary maybe that was linked to the size at the time but certainly Charlotte had come from an organization that that had a kind of cadences in place so the changes that we made were for example now We meet with the leaders every Monday morning at 9.30, so that's the leaders' meeting then the leaders go into their meetings 10.30 till 11. Everybody's got, there's an agenda, set agenda every week, same agenda. So, you know, whatever that might be, candidates at final, we talk about. What's really important to the meeting is we open it with value highlights and well, highlights from the week before and kind of people that have exhibited our values, you know, like shout outs, value shout outs. So that's sets, you know, Monday morning, I know people, some people disagree with early Monday morning meetings, but that sets a really nice tone for... it's not just straight into numbers. We're really transparent with business revenue over the whole business. So there's a transparency there, although it's not a – so we talk about it a lot. We then, you know, we're going to talk about areas of focus for everybody and candidates at final. That messaging then gets transcended into the next, you know, the leaders going into their teams. Mm -hmm. Everybody – we do monthly reviews with the consultants and then quarterly reviews with the leaders – um, we do biannual conference, and again, it, it links to cadence. We've got a set format for each thing. So we do mm. mentoring sessions where some of the team have mentoring uh, mentors within the business. But everybody knows that they've got this set number of times that we communicate mm. as an office. We've got two offices, one in Manchester, one in London. So we communicate as an office, communicate on a one-to-one basis, and communicate as a company. Mm. And I think that brings a calmness, right? People know what's expected and what's happening.
0: I appreciate sharing that, I find that super interesting because definitely guilty, I mean there's four of us but guilty of moving like one-on-ones and certain things so there's like but what I've definitely found because I've recently implemented a different meeting which is like a specific meeting with sales, with marketing, with customer success and like when meetings go well they you feel really good about them in terms of like when you feel they're productive yeah so like I think there's so many meetings happening across Just businesses in general, but recruitment businesses where people walk out of them and go, that was a fucking waste of time.
1: Yeah, We can't always stick to it, but I know I've got about 50 minutes of mental capacity when it comes to Mm. a meeting. And so I I do struggle after that. And so I appreciate that other people must do as well. But I think the bit that where you get shit done is the action points and and Mm. saying who's going to do what by when. And they're reviewed, you know, Charlotte and I. For example, will have a monthly board meeting and have action points from that. And they're reviewed when we come back in. Mm. So yeah, I do. I mean, it sounds pretty boring, doesn't it? Meeting cadence, but it's pretty clearly big.
0: been an imp- impactful, yeah. Yeah. So what I'm going to go into next then is how you've set up your business because it is different. Okay. I would say in in the I'm the, take that as a compliment. the BD function, the talent consultants, like how you set that up. I, I find that, that that interesting. When did it evolve like that? Was it in 2021 it started like that?
1: I suppose when we set up, I'd always done the business development personally mm. and had the consultants. I knew when I went into another agency, the bit that I hated about the job was the cold calling set mm. part that people wanted you to do. And I didn't want to do it. And I, you know, I, I just didn't have that in my life. Lo- I didn't, just didn't want to do it. So I was really appreciative that actually the people that, that might join us and if I'm, selling this as a great opportunity for people to join and they suddenly landed with something that they don't want to do, I've never done before. We've got a slightly different model that we take on people from hospitality operations. Yeah. Yeah. So I was doing all the BD at first and then as we grew, that became, you know, that, that was unsustainable. But I always knew that if we got to a certain point, I would separate out that function. I knew it was a different skill I knew that the focus, I wanted the consultant's focus to be on client experience, existing client experience and candidate experience. That's where I wanted them to Mm -hmm. spend their time to love what they do. And so we knew that that business development function was unique and needed to be done by a different team. So currently we have two head of client success, they're, they're called now, we've had a tweak there, but they will be responsible for taking new clients through a sales cadence and then they do what we call discovery calls. So they, at that point, kind of diagnose the challenges of the business, find out how we can help and then that will get passed on to either the recruitment team, the biggest part of the business, or if it's a training need that they've got, we can pass that on to, we've got a training division, or if it's an international challenge, so they need mm. um, specific international talent, then it goes to that division. You know, it, we, we're evolving it all the time, so we're now questioning as an organisation whether those... Two girls, both called, we've got five Abbeys in the business. Really? Business, five? Yeah. Fucking hell.
0: Um, <laughs>
1: Abigail and Abby, spelled differently to me. Um, whether they're going to have some involvement in account management mm-hmm. of, of bigger clients, and I think that's probably going to be the next step.
0: Because the way that you done it was they got a percentage of revenue for the first six months. Yes. Yeah. The client that they brought on. Yeah. I love this approach, by the way, because I just love the fact that the, even the fact that you've got discovery calls in there, like so many recruiters don't have that step. Yeah. Cause my world's training and we've done a bunch of training stuff on this and a lot of people don't do that. Cause what I really love what you just mentioned there is they're trying to diagnose problems. Yeah. Right. And a lot and a feels lot of, better to do that. Yeah. But also yeah, it's enabling you to have an opportunity to truly understand what their problems are so you can, you know, offer the, the best solution. Right. Yeah,
1: and we've got to from day dot. we've got to come across like we're experts and if we start talking about vacancies and roles, what jobs you got? Yeah. You know, it's transactional and we'll be treated like shit, I, I'm, yeah. you know, and when we've not had a great client relationship, it's because, because I've gone in as some kind of subservient, yes sir, no sir, mm. but it, you know, we'll do anything, we'll work on whatever jobs you want. Mm-hmm. And now I have a totally different attitude to that.
0: Yeah, um, no, Honestly, I love it. I, I think this is one step in a process that if recruiters were supported in, effectively implementing this it would have a big impact 100. like a soundbite i've said multiple times on here and she always dropped me a note saying thanks for mentioning me on the pod but i think it sums it up perfectly so we had um she was on the panel of our master event amber penrose right i watched it she was fab yeah so she did a training session with us and what i always remember saying is what made her go from the 400 grand biller to eight nine hundred grand biller was she stopped chasing vacancies and she only chased problems yeah Right. And like we spoke about her process where the first step is that discovery call. And that's where you're saying, look, yes, I understand you have roles, vacancies. We can talk about them. But first, in order for me to be honest with you and advise where I can help, I need to understand where you're at, how we got here. Why? Why is it important you get this person? What happens if you Mm. don't get this person? What have you tried so far? What hasn't worked? What has worked? Like you need to understand all of that. You've got to
1: stop people talking about the vacancy. Actually, you've got to Mm. push back because the client might want to jump into that. You know, we definitely find we want to push back. I can go. Just the the other reason we push back is because we've we've got two different teams of people that they're going to have a conversation with. So they're going to have a discovery call, and then they go on to have a role brief with the recruitment team. And we're really conscious that they can't, that it can't be telling the same thing t- mm. twice. So we've got to really separate. That's okay, discovery is is more strategic. You know, what mm. how can we help? And then role brief is right. Okay, tell me about the behaviours and responsibilities yeah, for yeah. this job.
0: I think this would be helpful for people. So I just want to dive into this a little bit. Okay. So you've got two people that basically their entire purpose is to bring on new clients. Yeah. And the the process is they have a sales cadence that they follow that enables them to have the best chance of booking and discovery calls. Yeah. How long is often a discovery call? 45 minutes. 45 minutes. So they're yeah. asking for 45 minutes discovery yeah. call and then curious them with what you just said. After that, obviously they're then recommending the solution. Right, whether that be, well, from what I've learned today, these are the reasons why you should speak to our recruitment team and why yeah. they're best positioned to support you with your challenges. Or I'm going to introduce you to Abby, who's head of training. From what you said today, this is why I'm doing that. Yeah. In between that on the recruitment side, because yeah. a lot of people won't have a training division, like, are you having terms signed in between that?
1: The BD team agree the terms. In discovery? Yes, or they, they will say... At the end, so they talk through our process and at the end of the call say, I'm going to send you the terms over and then they'll have that discussion.
0: Yeah. I mean... So they do that in discovery? Yes. So I was thinking that because they're not going to have that job briefing if surely if you haven't...
1: We've learned the lesson the hard way. Yeah. Of, yeah we, we we don't go any further than that until we've agreed terms.
0: Okay. All right. So if I'm listening right now, mm-hmm. the often pushback that I've heard from people was, yeah, but like I've got a client, I've got a company that has vacancies. Yeah that I can start working on. Yeah. And they need help with them, like I'm not going to miss out if I say hey hey whoa whoa, whoa wait wait let, let's have a discovery mm. call first and then we'll talk about the roles. Like I might miss out.
1: I'll challenge them on fill rate, right? Because like, our fill rate I think is significantly higher than a lot of other contingent models. You know, we're hoping next year to hit 60% fill rate.
0: At the moment, it's 40, 45, 45, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, yeah that's, that's definitely higher than...
1: Yeah, so it's about the quality and it's about how you, if you cut corners, you know, the, that that behaviour is mirrored by the client and you will be treated mm. like a recruiter, not as a partner. Yeah. And I don't want to be treated like a recruiter, you know, just to yeah. Yeah, fill this for me. I, I want to offer a professional service and that's about taking time to know it's, it's it's a significant cost for somebody mm. i don't want to cock it up so let's do it properly
0: so just two two final bits then one what's the typical what have you found to be the most effective agenda for that discovery call um
1: so um we've done some training recently so we we talk about we go through success criteria for the business and uh, for their business, uh, we talk very little. I, we, we don't really talk about us at all. We'll mm. talk maybe at the end for one or two minutes. Mm-hmm. Like What I think is a big change when I was in-house and had recruiters come to me and they get their bloody deck out. And you're like, I don't, I don't really give a shit mm. about... Your values, mm-hmm. <laughs> or your how good a deck you can put together in like a twenty-page deck. Like, come on! So all the steps really are, are about their business, and so the challenges they're facing. What's their vision? What experience they've had before with other recruitment businesses, why they're at that challenging point, Mm -hmm. talking about then how we might be able to help them. And then I suppose we we then create a bit of a sense of urgency with putting a plan in in terms of, okay, well, this is if you wanted somebody, if you wanted this in place by then, this would be the reverse engineering what dates we would need to start. Mm. Our process is pretty laid out as well. We know that it takes us um, between 8 and 10 working days to create a shortlist. We know that um, on average people have between 4 and 6 weeks notice so we can pretty much predict when we can uh, we know have that, that the interview that stage need. takes 2 weeks. Yeah so that's a really good kind of way of, of putting that out and then you know, we don't hide away from the fact at the end that the client might need to go and do something, like write a job description, like, you mm. know, and that's, we then summarise the call and talk about what we need to go and do and what they need to go and do. Yeah, And it, look, we're changing this all the time, but we've learnt this the hard way of doing me really, getting really excited about a new Sexy brand or in yeah. hospitality that's hard as well because yeah as a customer you know these brands and you think oh god that sounds great I really want to mm. work with them and then you realise you've won a fucking four agencies and mm. they've got a big direct team and you think actually this is this is not a great client in terms of yeah the commercials it also
0: helps you to understand like have more clarity on it. is it is this a Great yeah, conference to work yeah,
1: we do. We're, we're in the process of the moment of qualifying clients internally, and that's that's not easy to do without knowing. Yeah, until you started working with them, we yeah. don't know how great they're going to be at communication mm-hmm. or how shit they're going to be. What we can do is qualify jobs fairly. You know, we can mm. qualify them by location, you know, culture fit, uh, uh, people culture, salary. Mm-hmm. So we do have a measure of qualifying jobs, and we as a business, think that we should be spending our time on jobs that score over 7 out of 10.
0: 7 so, out of 10 yeah, as a minimum.
1: Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. We don't always do that because sometimes that we can fill a 3 out of 10 job and we really want the client or mm. we've got capacity. Mm. So there's lots of different factors at play. But I think having this consultant mindset of, OK, if I need to prioritise my time, I should prioritise it on a 7 out of 10.
0: Yeah. OK, and I appreciate you sharing that. So very much focused about them. And yeah, the reason for that is you're not going to be able to come up with a solution if you're talking most of the time, right? So the, yeah. the, uh, just on that, what have you found? Because it's something I was looking at, because this is my process as well, Discovery Call. Cool. Again, it's very much about them. I need to understand the problems, why we're here, these things, what we tried so far, what isn't working. And then yeah. from that, I can then say, well, from what I've learned today, these are the reasons why I think it'd be worth our time to like progress to the ne- next step. Mm. But what have you found to be like your... To be fair, actually, I was going to ask you around your conversion from discovery to then signing, because you've added that extra step. Yeah. Do you know that figure or like that conversion of done a discovery call, they've signed terms and now they're a new client? We'll get right back into the conversation in a moment. But before we do, I wanted to tell you about one of our long-time podcast partners, Cherry. So ask yourself this, is your team feeling the effects of manual data entry and outdated processes. Relegate repetitive and monotonous tasks to Vinceri. Your all-in-one recruitment operating system. Imagine a few extra hands helping you sift through the busy work day in, day out. That's the benefit of Vinceri's automation tools and features from interview scheduling, automated templates, CV formatting, reporting and more. You're going to reduce error rates, streamline compliance and accelerate return on investment. It works like magic. And the best part, you keep morale high and productivity goes through the roof. Today's episode is kindly sponsored by VinCherry, the top rated recruitment software by Trust Radius in 2023. You get an exclusive offer for listeners podcast, which is 10% off the user price. Reach out to the team and arrange a quick demo or use a link in the show notes to book an exploratory call and get your hands on that exclusive offer and start using great tools within their all-in-one platform like automation.
1: I don't know an exact measure, but I would say the reason we we start measuring something when we've got a gut feeling that there's a challenge, and it, it, I know it'll be above 90%, Yeah. Right? Okay. but, you know, it, it's really good. Whether that converts into revenue, you know, mm. sometimes, you know.
0: It's different, yeah. But I think that's yeah. because the reason why I'm that is, like, people might think, oh, that's just, like, not worth the hassle. I'd rather just go straight into the vacancy, right? Yeah. So if you're saying majority of the time we'll sign terms, doesn't, we're not saying that every single time that's going to be, you know, 10 out of 10 job, but... Mm. More often than not, even though we've added that extra step, whereas another recruiter just goes straight in, Abby, tell me about these, you know, general manager jobs. Sounds great, go into that. Yeah. Okay, fine. We are
1: up against that. We're you know, and that is especially when we've come down to London, we're up against that more and it's yeah, really hard to trust your process. But I've got to believe that's the right thing to do because I've got to believe that we want better client relationships and we want better jobs to work on.
0: Yeah. And for those of you listening, you can showcase that by your process yeah i found that like if i take you through a sales process and you're impressed and like you can you know stand out just by implementing like a really solid process even before you start working together i could make your perception of me wow these guys are really impressive what is it gonna be like when we start working with each other yeah you know
1: exactly and if somebody wants to do it quick and dirty then maybe they're not the right client for you anyway
0: yeah so just final bit, I know you're going grounded there, but that will be helpful for people. What's like the core message around why it's worth your time, Abby, the hiring manager, to give me that 45 minutes? Like, what have you found to be the most effective message?
1: Because oh, in terms of what I would say to a client.
0: Yeah, because like we we're talking about, particularly now you're facing in London. Yeah. Like, Abby, I haven't got time for that. Like, let's just go straight into these jobs. I've got sign off. Like, let, let's just get into it. I just spoke to these guys down the road. Like, they've told me that they can work on these. I only want to sp- speak with one of our agency. Like, let's just get straight yeah. into that. And you're going to, wait, wait, hang on a minute. Let's. Like, yeah, I why think do it's I want-
1: saying, look, we want to understand that you're right for us and we're right for you. And it's setting your, you know, it's setting that messaging out that you are equal. Mm. That you're both, your time is as valuable as their time, and you want to make sure that if you're going to work in this contingent fashion, that you want to know that they they're a decent mm. operator or that they operate in a certain way. Mm-hmm. So although you look, I understand you might not say that we want to w- w- work out whether you're a good client, but mm. that's ultimately what you mean.
0: Yeah. Okay. Cool. So then, passed over to the recruitment team, and then you have got talent consultants that mm-hmm. speak to clients mm-hmm. that manage processes but are then entirely focused on speaking to candidates, getting the shortlist together, presenting them. Yes. Yeah? Yeah. So curious then, how many... I don't know, this might not be something you measure. I was going to ask you how many... Stop
1: asking me shit that I don't measure. (laughs) Sorry, sorry, sorry.
0: sorry. I'm going to ask you about the... I want to go into the experience, but just final thing. (laughs) Okay, okay. Two people, like what... How many discovery calls of these people typically? What's ended up being?
1: Um, in a week, they. W- I don't know what their actual target is, but they will have a target. I imagine they're doing between five and ten a week.
0: Okay, cool, nice. Experience then. Let's talk about that.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so I found it so interesting and love the fact that one of the core KPIs is MPS. Yes. So obviously you're measuring, and that's a, you know a, a way for you to measure client and candidate experience. Yeah. So do you want to explain NPS for people that, because we use NPS in our, our business?
1: Yeah, so we, we've, we chose to use it because we work in hospitality and it's a real um, key indicator. It's ultimately the, the answer to, would you recommend us to a yep. friend? And if you score nine or ten, you count it. If you're seven or eight, you're passive, passive. And, yep. and taken away. And if you're five and six, you're detract it. So we thought that it was a relevant measure because our clients would understand it. We approached it from the fact that, that we can easily, if we want an ego measure, we can record MPS at placement stage. So we can ask candidates, how did you find us when we found you a great new job? Yeah. Um, and we can ask clients, how did you find us when we found you somebody? But actually, that is not the real way to measure you know, to, to measure feedback. And if we're putting so much time and effort and energy into consultant training and development around experience, we need to measure it at different points. So we measure it throughout the candidate journey, whether you get a job with us or not. So as soon as you've been put into any kind of process, you start you start receiving feedback surveys. And as a client, as soon as you have gone through the discovery and role brief, so before you've ever had a candidate, we start asking you what you think. Ooh. Yeah.
0: Okay. <laughs> Love that.
1: So both our candidate and our client are over 90, which we keep going back and going... This can't be, and I get people who fill out the survey, it's polarized. You either fill out a survey because mm. you love a service or you hate a service. And but I think we do a good job. And we became, you know, we're obsessed about this perception of recruiters and making sure that we're offering, you know, a really valuable service to our clients. And I know it sounds corny, but, you know, it is when you're talking to a candidate. The most joy you can get is finding them a job that mm. improves their life and well-being. And you know we've got a, we've got a team of people that that's what they want to do.
0: Mm. So just to paint a picture, then we've yeah. spoken a lot about the clients. So let's just focus on the candidate side for mm. a sec, where oftentimes it can the the experience can be dro- like the ball can be dropped. Yeah. So if I go through a process with you guys, yeah. I get registered. I'm talking to you about my experience. You're yeah. telling me, you're qualifying me.
1: I'd never t- use the term registered. Okay, yeah. sorry.
0: Yeah, you're qualifying me. You then end up telling me about one of the the jobs that you're working on with with one of your company uh, with one of the companies you're working with, and yeah. you then decide to go. Yeah, you know what, Hisham, I think we'd really like to put you forward to this one. Yeah. So then you put me forward. I then get an interview request. I then have that interview. I then don't get progressed to the next stage. Mm-hmm. How many times am I going to be asked? Would you recommend 68 people to a colleague or friend?
1: You've probably been asked three times by then. But if you if you fill it in, you don't get a repeat survey. Um, so
0: once you filled it in, you don't get asked again.
1: You get it's survey dependence. we've got like a, a, a cadence right. of what what you you know. You wouldn't get asked the same question twice, the same survey twice okay. if you filled it in. But just to go back slightly, look, at, we treat until this year. We've actually spent the last two years focusing on candidate experience. So the candidates approaching us have a discovery call as well. So their discovery call is about career motivators, and what's going on with them, you know, what they're, a bit about what their experience is, really diagnosing their problem. Mm-hmm. So when we diagnose their problem, then we can work out whether we've got solutions for them. And I think that is... We're transparent. And sometimes we say to candidates, look, I'm sorry, you're great, but I don't think we've got something for you right now. We create a 68 locker for you. So we create um, a space on the system. I mean, it's, it's, it's an ATS where we've got your motivators in there. And if we have anything that comes up, we'll, we'll be in touch. So at that point, we've not raised expectations that say, we're going to come back to you next week. Yeah. So, that's, so I think that's the first point. Second point is then if we, we're always understanding from our client discovery call what the selling points of that business is, and they've got to match those motivators. So we, we're kind of diagnosing, right, okay, could this company fit, fit this candidate? So we send them away to look at a role. At that point, we then do what we call a face-to-face. So we would then do like a range of competency-based questions based on what the client's client. looking for. Mm-hmm. So they've spent, following that, there's another bit, and I'm convinced that this is like a key differentiator in terms of candidate experience this interview preparation you know we're not sending on email your time and you know who you're meeting it is kind of really in depth of, right, tell me what you think about, what do you love about this business? So we, we're we doing a bit of mock interviewing or, you know, I think it's like it's coaching, it's coaching people. And I think that does set, we've got to find a way to set people, to set us apart as, in a, as a candidate service. We've got to give candidates a reason to come back to us and keep using us. And actually, if we're just going to fly them through a process and go, there you go, and meet that person, mm-hmm. why the hell would they ever come back to us? So we've got mm-hmm. to protect that candidate experience and say, look, whether you've got a job through us or not, we hope you've had a great experience. Mm. And that interview preparation, I think, um, is is really important. We spend around, uh, you might laugh at this, around two hours with every candidate before they get to a client.
0: What, discovery, Mm. on average, two hours?
1: Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I know.
0: Yeah, but you you can't be doing that unless you're, like, what's being... The outcome of that is like positive, net not positive. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. And look, could we make efficiencies there? You know, I I challenge you to go and look at our reviews and,
0: and see if yeah, yeah, no. we should be spending any so less. I was, was going to ask you then, I feel like you've just answered it. I was going to ask you, I feel like you would have got to that process that you just described mm-hmm. by like making slight changes, small processes yeah, over time. And it up, do yeah, it up, again. Yeah, exactly. So so I was going to ask you, even though being aware it's probably a bundle of like small changes over time yeah. that has then resulted in that, and then you're sort of maybe happy for it for a period and it's like, right, what bit can we change that? Yeah. I was going to ask you like, what have been some of the like big levers you've pulled that you think has sort of really had an impact on the 90% plus? It seems like you've really taken your interview coaching properly. What about not getting a job? I feel like that's where oftentimes the experience yeah. can be dropped. A real quick one from me, and we'll get straight back into the conversation. Some of you may or may not be aware that I'm also the founder of a business called Hector. Hector is an all-in-one training platform for recruitment founders to maximize team performance. The reason why I'm sharing this with you is because if you are someone that is enjoying this podcast week after week, you might even share this podcast with your colleagues, then I'd love to connect with you. Our training platform is powered by top performers delivering practical training for today's market. We believe training a lot of the time in the recruitment industry is dated, is stale, is delivered by people that did it 5, 10, 15 years ago. And we are completely going against that. So a lot of the people that you're able to learn on this podcast, you're able to learn even more from at Hector. So if you'd love to, you know, find out more about how we could potentially help you get more out of your people, ramp up their performance more quickly, then please connect with me on LinkedIn or click the link in the show notes where you'll be able to book a call with us. Let's get straight back into the episode.
1: Yeah. So feedback. Look, I think the consultants see that their relationship with their, or the business sees their relationship with the candidate as a kind of lifetime relationship. So that is, they might go through a a short process with us but that's you know this they're still part of our network you know Mm. and and we see that as a that we're trying to grow this big network and again it's not transactional we don't want a candidate to come in and then go to somebody else when they're thinking about job hunting and in hospitality that happens relatively often (laughs) you know we want them to pick up the phone to us we want them to think right I've got a career coach and I've got someone that's my pal Mm. I'm going to pick up the phone and talk to but then that is a cultural thing about our team and I think you know, maybe a separate conversation about how we live our values and say what we do and don't do as an organisation, that that makes sure the team can deliver that to to candidates. It's how we all act. It's how Charlotte and I behave in the business that will, you know, and how we talk about other people, how we talk about candidates, how we talk about clients, Mm. you know, behaviour breeds behaviour. And and, and I think we've, we've got to be so careful that we're living our values and then the rest of the team will do that via candidate conversations.
0: Yeah, I wanna I wanna ask you like as you're coming to the end here, like how yeah how you because you're clearly so passionate about what you were just talking about yeah like what you believe you both do that really enables that to happen you know ninety percent of the time. But ju- just quickly, I think it's worth highlighting with what some people might be like, oh my god, two hours before like for every candidate, yeah. right? But like I said, you there's no way you'll be doing that unless you see like net positive. Yeah. Personally, I yeah. think. Something I always remember, it's someone you should be connected with, actually, I, th- I think you really get along. He recruits in the FMCG space. And again, I remember when he did like a training session with us, we were talking about how to consistently generate candidate referrals. Yeah, And where he's had the most success is making sure the candidate experience is world class for people that don't get a job. Yeah, And yeah. some of his biggest customers have come from... Abby didn't get a job at Brewdog that I was in the process of before. Yeah. However, she then went to Honest Burgers and she's someone, <laughs> bring them <laughs> up again. But anyway, she then went there and was like, Rich didn't help me get a job. However, world class experience. Rich, can you help me at Honest Burgers? I'm yeah. assuming you've got a lot of stories like that.
1: We've got. Look, we've been honest. We've tried a load of refer a friend. And do we have a load of people that we've paid out the bloody vouchers to, no, but I think actually there's loads of just, that it's happened, you know, without our knowledge, just saying, oh, so-and-so told me to speak to you, so-and-so told me to speak to you, that happens so many times a day to all of us.
0: Yeah. So, like, for those of you listening, what I take from that is, like, like you said, it would be really easy to ping out a survey, Abby's got a new job, she's got... You know, some uh, 68 people merch, like they've sorted her out, all that. (laughs) Abby, like, would you recommend us to a friend or colleague? Oh, yeah, absolutely. But it's the people that aren't, you know, fortunate to get the job. Like, what experience you're creating for those people? Because they could be your biggest detractors and your biggest promoters.
1: And we don't always get it right, yeah. And but it's how you react when you don't get it right, and Mm. what we do, you know, we could say fuck them, Mm. you know. They don't know, you know. And actually, we don't. We obsess over the ones that we don't get right, Mm. and that's what changes process, and that's what changes experience.
0: So with all of this being so important, that that's what I just wanted to ask you and get your thoughts on is like as you grow, I know you're very much focused now on getting the most out of your existing people rather than worried about headcount and stuff. But still, there's a lot more. Like I feel like the stuff that you've spoken about today people listening are going to feel a lot more confident to be able to roll out for it to be consistently executed if they're like have a smaller team and you know they can influence it by proximity maybe whereas like you're probably beyond that now so what you were talking about how you and Charlotte talk people lit like talk to me about how you feel like you enable those to be the standards how they've become the minimum standards because there's a lot that you've spoken about which. I can imagine, like you said, you lose sleep over because it only takes one person yeah. to be like, "Fuck, I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna do that today. I'll just. I'm sure Abby won't know. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. That, that the the likelihood of that happening is more and more.
1: Yeah, and I think like the culture in a business is created by the people operating it, and, mm-hmm. and we, you know, Charlotte and I are always conscious of that. We've got to do what we said we're going to do, and we've got to live and breathe those values. And we do have look. Whether people think values are a load of shit or not, they work for us and when we've got, and they work for the team, the team get excited about them, we reward them, we talk about them, you know, we highlight them at all our conferences and meetings and we have little crappy awards for, you know, the value master of the week and so they're alive, you know, in the business Mm. And we, you know, we take the piss out of each other. Oh, it's not very expert, is it? One of our values is expert. So, you know, they, they're they alive. And I think that, A, you've got to recruit the right people who share those in the first place. Yeah. But then because we're not teaching old dog new tricks, you know, we're not taking people from having bad habits. We're creating habits. So they're learning a totally new skill when they come to us because they come in from operations. Then that's when we've had real success whether I should say it or not, when it hasn't worked out when we've taken people from other recruitment businesses Mm. Um, because it's too hard to unpick. Yeah, I'm not surprised by that. Yeah. Because
0: the people that you're hiring are coming, they've got the hospitality and industry context, but Mm. they're coming entirely open-minded with no evidence on how recruitment should be.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. it's it's a blank canvas in terms of recruitment. So why would they now do it any other way? Yeah. Um,
0: How do you... Like, I, I do understand the probably lead domino to having those standards consistently being met mm. is hiring the right people. Yes. It's probably the lead domino. So with you being so... How do you uncover people that align with your values in the interview process? I feel, yeah, like, that's hard. Hard. I feel yeah. like that's hard.
1: Yeah, it's hard. And you kind of always think, God, if we, how can we gawk up recruitment as recruiters? Mm. Like, I think you've got to have a really robust process. Part of our process is they have to present for 10 minutes on anything they want, anything they're passionate about. Ooh. And that shows loads of, you know, we've had really fun stuff, really weird stuff.
0: What stage is that at? <laughs>
1: uh, um, second or third, depending on whether they've met both of us. or. But everything's face-to-face. And, yeah, God, there's a lot, so much gut feeling goes into recruitment, isn't there? But um, hopefully we, we've also, you know, got some pretty, we've had some you know, proper recruitment training in terms of competency-based, right? Okay, mm. you know, do you exhibit these values and, and talking to people? So we'd probably spend, you know, I might spend an hour with somebody, Charlotte might spend an hour with someone, the team gets involved and then they present something in 10 minutes on whatever wacky thing they want to present on. But then there's always a bit of gut feeling, right?
0: Yeah. So what are you going into next year then? You know, you have intentions to keep growing the, the important business numbers. <sighs>
1: We can say revenue. Revenue.
0: <laughs> what What are you, like, being laser-focused on? Like, what are you... and Both of you and Charlotte got really top of mind. You said you had a strategy day recently. Like, what are yeah. the things that are really top of mind that you're really going to double down on and stay close to?
1: MPS, client MPS. I, I, we, I feel as though this... The tables, have, we've spent the last couple of years really focusing on candidates. Yeah. And I feel as though, you know, that's, I'm sure that's, other businesses are finding that, that now we really need to laser focus down on our, on our client experience mm-hmm. and kind of obsess over that for a bit. So client experience and fill rate, look, fill rate is a, however you look at fill rate, it, there's no downside to to it. So if you can improve that, like the, I said before, if you, there's um, a negative behaviour attached to really pushing a certain KPI, for example, CV send. But with fill rate, there's no negative behaviour. Yeah, if you really push that,
0: it's only net positive. Yeah.
1: Yeah, Yeah, yeah. so true. That's actually
0: really, that is one of those metrics. That's so true.
1: Yeah, and so we're going to really focus on that. We're going to, you know, focus on how we negotiate exclusivity and how we get that fill rate from 45 to 60 without reduction in uh, job number. Mm. So
0: (laughs) that's the big... That's
1: the That took us nine hours. <laughs> nine hours
0: just to walk out with those two things. Job to fill ratio is, healthy. yeah, fair. I love that.
1: Obviously, there's so many things that affect fill rate. Yeah, you know your consultant training, your well, everything. Everything affects fill rate, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, there's there's a lot. Yeah, but I do. You are right. I think it's a great north star metric, isn't that?
1: Yeah, I hope so. And it's weird. It's it's something that we don't discuss with clients because. You sound shit, right? If you only fill 45% of the jobs you get, it sounds shit if you only fill. Mm. So it's not really a metric that we'll d- we discuss with clients, but I know that we're significantly great you know, better at it than some other businesses that I've taken the metric from. But yeah, it feels like our internal North Star right now.
0: Yeah. Like we've, we've helped some companies, like that's been like a metric that they've really wanted to improve with training. Yeah when we're doing discovery calls and identifying those pains like for, for a lot of these people it's like 15% yeah job to, is their job to fill ratio
1: okay that makes me feel good
0: i mean that's like we're with like 45 different recruitment companies i'm not saying yeah. they're all that but no, the, no. like quite a few times it's been around 15-20% yeah. and they want to get that up for the so.
1: mental health of your consultants capacity as well i mean Look, I'm always conscious that when we fill 45% of our roles, it means we don't fill 55% of them. Mm. And you can't analyse one without the other. You've got to find out why you're not filling the 55%. And the mental challenge of doing fucking 55% of your work and it not leading to anything... It's depressing. Yeah, it's and depressing, I don't yeah. I, you know I want to level that out for the consultants. Yeah, but I
0: think also I know you're saying you may not want to shout from the rooftops that we our fill rate's forty five percent, but mm. if you're able to articulate to potential clients and customers, like this is the evidence that we've gathered so far as to why the job to fill ratio is normally this. If yeah. we implement these things or get really good at this with you,
1: yeah,
0: it should actually mean that, you know, seventy percent of the time we like we're gonna be successful for you. Yeah. yeah so
1: like, yeah, if you're yeah.
0: really thinking about that, you're only gonna be able to find things that then you can use that in your process, right? Like, if we, this is why we need to have the discovery call. This is why we do this. This is why this is important to us because this is the benefit for you. Yeah,
1: yeah, right? and it is laying out, you know, back to your challenge about your process, it is laying out and setting an expectation. Like I keep seeing on LinkedIn, no one cares about your process, no one and mm. they don't, it's true. They, you know, I don't think they do, but I think you've got to set expectations and say, we're going to do this. We're going to, you know, we need to, we need another Forty minutes of your time to talk about the intricacies of the role we need, mm. because that's we know from our measures that is the best possible chance of us. Failure. Yeah, no
0: one, no one. I don't. But it depends. It depends on the framing. Like no mm. one cares about your process, Abby, if you're talking about your process just because it's your process. Yeah, and it's your process. Yeah, maybe. and I do care about your process if you're saying, uh, listen to like this is our process because it gives this is how it benefits you. Yeah, yeah. Like it's yeah. just the framing, right?
1: Yeah, and it is just on framing, that is. I think as a business, we I'm really conscious that we never we're selfless. So whenever we're talking to a candidate or a client, it's always got to be we've got to act in their best interest, not yeah. our own. And yeah. any conversation that we're having, if we start talking about, oh, we need to get that interview in earlier, we need to this needs to happen, and it's in it's selfish. It's about us wanting to hit a target or a revenue. We fucked it.
0: Yeah, yeah. Abi, it's been a pleasure. Honestly, love the way that you're approaching building your business. Like, oh, I, nice. I, I could speak about this a lot. I actually, I've r- really enjoyed that. So hopefully everyone listening, I think there's loads of takeaways there. Definitely things about process, whether that be meeting cadences, discovery calls, <laughs> experience.
1: I'm coming on to talk about process.
0: No, I, 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 I think honestly, there's so many things. There, and I think kudos to you, keep keep doing what you're doing. And like, oh, yeah, I just, I just love the way that you're approaching your growing your recruitment business. So thank, thank you. Thank you. What a pleasure. Thanks very much. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. I hope there were plenty of golden nuggets for you to take away. As you will know, I'm your host here of the Recruitment Mentors podcast, but I'm also the founder of Recruitment Mentors. We're a online subscription-based learning and education platform. We're on a mission to help thousands of recruiters achieve their professional goals and successfully progress their careers through modern and engaging online learning. if you're a recruitment business owner listening to this there's a good chance that you value self-development personal development you're trying to develop a culture of continuous improvement but we've partnered with a number of grown recruitment companies who were struggling to understand how they can invest more in their people how they can upskill them more quickly without spending more time without having to spend thousands of pounds of external trainers and we've ended up being a really great fit modern fit for recruitment teams